The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to In Discussion. Our guest today is Susan Picking singer, songwriter, and emerging performer in the entertainment industry. The Singer's Dream. Welcome to In Discussion. My guest today is Susan Picking, a musician and songwriter who has developed her passion in the music arena over the past five years. Susan, welcome. Hello, David. I understand, Susan, that you were recently in Michigan over the Christmas period. Is that correct? That is correct. I just got back to sunny Southern California, and I'm adjusting well to the temperature change. So you've you've gone from minus 50 to about uh, plus 20 or something like yeah. that? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, your your story, Susan, is absolutely uh, fascinating. Uh, you you obviously have spent uh, the better part of your life dreaming of becoming a songwriter and a musician. And uh, I, I guess over the past five or six years, you've really concentrated your efforts in developing that uh, in aspiring to becoming a, a musician uh, on stage. And uh, can you tell me how that developed in your in your younger years? What what it is that uh, brought you to this point? Uh, I started out playing um, the piano, and I was I was really drawn to music. I lived across the street from a piano teacher, and we didn't even have a piano at that time. And I used to go knock on her door just to be able to to go play on her piano. And so I really wanted to learn an instrument quite young. And I um, ended up also studying the cello in grade school. So I studied um, musical instruments from elementary school on through high school, and I did take some music for non-music majors when I went to the University of Michigan. I didn't at that time think about music as a career. I was going into the route of um, journalism at that time, studying that. So... Though I loved music, I didn't think of it following it as a possible career. Now, and, now looking back, Susan, do you think it, that financially it was a good decision? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, good, good question. It, it, my route has always has been circuitous. Coming back to music, I've always had music in my life, and the path that I took wasn't necessary one that necessarily one that. Uh, brought me a, a great deal of financial um, support because I was always following some passionate um, passionate dream. I went from bec- uh, being a broadcast journalism major to the logical conclusion of becoming a ski instructor. So uh, that's not uh, necessarily the, the next step to a you know, very solid or lucrative career. 
when you're first starting out as a ski instructor as well. So it's been a circuitous route. But if you look at your studying in journalism, you're obviously trying to utilize some gift to um, to provide your audience w- with your thoughts, whether they be on paper or, in this case, in music. Uh, what is it that you feel is more important that you express in music than you could on paper? That is such an astute observation, and I think it it was connection to people and and relaying a message. And I I did things that were in the entertainment area. I I've, I've always been in interested and in performing groups throughout my life and throughout uh, my studies and and so i think it was finding my niche and finding that music um is my platform for conveying uh, a message you know finding that that was my gift and my means of giving a message or telling a story or being a um my conduit to connecting with people. Now, your initial uh, journey here was uh, exploring your passion through voice, but then you became a songwriter. Now, how does that occur? What, what, what is it that, that takes you from wanting to sing to becoming a songwriter itself? I, I did always love to sing, and when I became a flight attendant, I took my first voice lesson. I, I just thought it really sounded fun. And when I took that first voice le- lesson, I knew that I was doing something that I really felt um, that I was in the zone. You know, when you talk to athletes or other artists, when they, they feel a connection to what they're doing. And um, I think I might have written my first song around the time I had my first voice lesson, and it was. And then I went a couple of years, but I've always been a student. So whenever I want to pursue something, I end up taking lots of classes. So I took voice lessons for several years, and then I started taking classes in Long Beach at Long Beach City College, and I took some in songwriting. I took songwriting workshops. Because I thought if I want to do this, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to learn technique, and I want to learn what the masters can teach. In addition to listening to the really good songwriters, so I took a lot of classes, and then they just started spilling out of me. Yes, and in your biography, you state that music is a healer. It, it is effectively a universal language. Um, in fact, you've you've. Uh, quoted as saying vibrational healing that occurs w- with your music uh, how how does that come over when you're you're playing uh, out in the public how do you see that affecting people i i think music and vibration having i've been studying a sound healing as well as music therapy and those types of things and sound is a really powerful um, healer, just the vibration of it when you're looking at the physics of it and how things vibrate and you can become aligned. I don't know how much you know about the chakras, um, but each chakra in our body um, from our head to toe and their different chakra centers are aligned with a specific note. So just in that, and that goes, you know, Eastern philosophy, so that's really old traditional um, a 
type of healing. And so there is healing that occurs just from the vibration of notes. And I think then you couple that with some lyrics that might touch a person or drumming and different instruments that people can really connect to sound. And if they don't understand the language that you're writing in, they can connect to a voice, a drum beat, a guitar, or a violin, or a cello, and really respond to the, the instrumental arrangement of music. Yeah, and uh, given the history that you've quoted uh, w- with music as a dynamic, uh, then for you it's a very spiritual um, uh, well-being. Absolutely. Music definitely is my, um, it's my meditation. Uh, uh, One of my spiritual mentors has um, coached me on that, that, you know, we all have different means and paths to spirit. And this, I realized, really was mine. In fact, my mom commented to me when I was quite young that I worked out my issues on the piano when I got home from school she never had to ask me to practice. I just would plop down with my books, probably right at the piano bench. And I may not have been practicing what uh, my piano teacher wanted me to, the Cherny or the Hannon or the, the Etudes, but I, I dropped into something, and it transported me to a different place and cleared my head. So my mom always thought of it as my personal therapy, just sitting down at the piano. Well, that acts as an introduction to a track, Revolving Door. Can you give our listeners a, uh, a small uh, definition of that and, and what, what is behind that? What is the message? Yes, the Revolving Door is um, the lyric in the song. It's like walking through a revolving door in and out of chaos. And on, in my spiritual journey, stepping into clarity from a place of chaos, and spinning through that revolving door and what it's like uh, on a spiritual path and evolving into something greater. And I talked to my best friend, Darla, on the phone, and we cackled about this one because, you know, it's not easy being evolved. Don't sweat the smoke Or so they say, they say Live in the moment I just get through my day Cause it ain't easy Trying to be evolved Going through those doors That revolving river The lessons learned Oh, it's a process I need a break now I go to recess Some days are hard Some days I struggle But what I learn here Is how to juggle Don't sweat the small stuff Oh, so they say, they say Live in the moment I just get through my day Cause it ain't easy Trying to be evolved Going through those doors That revolve and revolve It ain't easy Trying to be evolved Going through those doors That revolve and revolve And that, uh that poses the question, therefore, Susan. Um, what is it 
in your own life that led to writing this track? You you talk about life being a revolving door and and uh, going from chaos to happiness. Is there something that sparked that in your own journey? I don't think at the the point that I wrote that it was one specific event, but as I had mentioned, my um, my best girlfriend Darla, she's one of my mates that I always work through the the tough times and the and and the happy times, and we always end up doing it in laughter. And I think I think in my own life, just being able to laugh about chaos or and being able to work through it and move on and and look and see you know don't sweat the small stuff so in other words your songwriting and your lyrics are very much talking about your your own journey absolutely i I, and i think many songwriters do go to a biographical place there are some songs that i have not i've been asked to write some songs for specific events or for a movie or you know and something like that so it's it may not be autobiographical, but I'm certainly pulling from my own emotional experience to be able to capture even what is in somebody else's artistic um, display if it's going along with a movie or a video or something like that. So, yes, it is my life journey. And hopefully it's universal enough that people relate to it. And that's where that's where the connection comes from. Yes, and, and I'm a great studier of art history um, over the centuries and of course you can look at any artist whether a, a, they're a painter, photographer, musician or a sculptor, you look at Van Gogh I mean his work celebrates a very um, turbulent life um, with, with many um, ups and downs and, and, and it, isn't that something that you can illustrate to your audience um, at the life that you have that they can connect with because we all have the same challenges. Yes, yes. And, you know, I think speaking to the times right now, and I, I think one thing that I say in my performances right now, I don't want to say that we're in bad times because I don't want to put on to anybody something that, you know, I don't want to hypnotize anybody or put put on to anybody if they don't think we are because it all is how we frame everything but if if you are thinking that we're in a challenging space, you know this is the time that we need the arts. We need the Van Goghs. We need the the um, virtuoso musicians because I think we look to art and we look to music as our um, societal healers. People connect at times when when we're in challenging spaces. Let me ask you a question, therefore, because that's very interesting. Music and the arts tend to provoke emotion. Now, in the times that we find ourselves, which are surely very hard for everybody, is it a good idea to create art that induces human emotion rather than uh, realistic, constructive um, thought processes? That's um, it's an interesting way of posing it. I think it's always good, uh, personal opinion, to create uh, art that produces emotion because you're letting it flow. And and 
I don't feel that you ever want to block emotion because emotion isn't good or bad. It just is. And if you are feeling sad or something evokes uh, an emotion that might make you feel sad, that's not necessarily bad, but it allows you to move through it into something that one might consider good, if that makes sense. It it does. Um, Is that a... uh is that a formula that you always had with your music, Susan? I'm trying to find out you as the human being, as a performer. Um, does it change over the years, uh, not only as you gain more wisdom, more experience, uh, you, you get older? Uh, do you begin to understand your audience better in, in the music that you write? Uh, how, how does that occur for a songwriter? I think it definitely occurs in, in what you said, you know, becoming uh, wiser and knowing myself better allows me to know my audience better and connecting with people better. And, I, and I suppose that that is easier to do when you're performing than rather than being in a uh, studio. And... I pose that question because I was uh, I had the great privilege of, of uh, sharing a program with the film actor Michael York and, and this idea did come up that uh, when the actor is on stage his whole being is being fed by the reaction from his audience uh, whereas when he's uh, making a film and in front of a camera and going from uh, scene to scene Uh, or he's uh, producing a voiceover in a studio for a cartoon or something like that. He doesn't have any feedback. He doesn't have something to feed off. Right. Is is that true in music? Absolutely. Definitely in a performance, um, you feed off of who is in your audience. Take, for example, I I just played at this wonderful uh, coffee shop in Michigan uh, about a week and a half ago, and a grandfather brought in his um, three- or four-year-old grandson. And, you know, his energy, the, three, the four-year-old's energy, was really powerful because he was moving to the music and had a smile on his face. And what better confirmation to a musician than having, you know, the purity of a child moving and accepting what you're doing. That, that was powerful for me and fed me and gave me great joy and probably... It probably made the performance better. Maybe maybe I was funnier, came back with, you know, different stories because of it. But absolutely, it's powerful having that live connection. What are your typical venues um, to date? Uh, I've played such various venues from um, nice restaurants, especially if it has a nice grand piano. Uh, I play at, I'll play at bars and then pull in a few other musicians uh, and I love coffee shops for the intimacy. I have found out this is a, a new thing about coffee shops is that so many people go to coffee shops to work, so they wear headphones. So they're not necessarily interested in the fact that I'm walking in the door and going to sit down <laughs> at the piano. Um, but um, I do like coffee shops. I do do you know small concert venues. And I really enjoy that because then you're really um, having a confirmed space that the person's just coming to listen 
as a, as a, in addition to just being background music. I have played some bigger venues as well, especially doing Celtic music. But I know that one of your goals at the moment is to uh, take on a, a, a tour, the, the Wander in the Wonder. Um, what is that going to, to do to your career? How do you want that to, to elevate you from where you are today? Well, I, I hope this tour and promotion is a springboard to be able to um, support myself, uh, you know, creating abundance by following my passion and being able to reach a larger audience by being on tour and connect to a larger ge- geographical area of the country. And granted, I'm from the Midwest, so I have performed in the in mid- Midwest states a bit, and then I've primarily performed here in Southern California as well. But I hope to extend that to to be able to support myself and to make a difference and um, contribute to the world. And I think um, in addition to that goal of being able to make this a viable, um, a viable means to live is... is Doing music on a larger on a larger scheme, and also I do volunteer work with um, with elderly, and I've been working with uh, some school programs to help get music into the schools when it's being um, when it's being cut at a time. So I've been working with some nonprofits on that, and I think by my creating a bigger platform and getting to be known more, I'll have more leverage to be able to do that, to make music um, with and make music education uh, a, known, a known issue, that we need to get it in the schools and get people involved, because it's so great for not only, like we talked about, healing, but it's known that music is so powerful with um, education, with mathematics and so I think that's something that I want to do to contribute to our youth of today. Have you considered the uh, means by which you, you undertake this and remain grounded in what you do, grounded in the expectations of your audience? And I, I guess I could th- th- think of somebody like Susan Boyle. I mean, I wonder what happened there. What is it that can take somebody to such great heights um, and then crash uh, as greatly as she did? Uh, do you consider these these performers and, and consider the pitfalls that they find? And that's that's something to always be aware of of, of staying grounded in in who you are today and what your personal goals are, personal. Um, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for, the platforms that I'm really interested interested in supporting, but it is really important to stay grounded in that. Absolutely. Now, what is it, uh, what is it about uh, this particular music uh, that is clearly um, creating a whole new perspective for you, a whole new uh, business plan, as it were, how did you how did you come to this particular uh, uh, album or track of the 
um, The Wonder and the Wander? Yes. Uh, that is, the story of The Wonder and the Wander came out of, initially, a, um, a conversation that I had with an old high school friend, Michael Brown, who, uh, we were both exchange students at the same time, so we started our wander and traveling at around the age of 18, and he sent me a poem by Antonio Machado. I actually, I, I do have it. If you'd like to hear it, it's Wanderer, your footsteps are the road and nothing more. Wanderer, there is no road. The road is made by walking. By walking, one makes the road, and upon glancing behind, one sees the path that never will be trod again. Wanderer, there is no road, only wakes upon the sea. And when he sent that to me, it made me really think about my wander and the wonder in my wander and those two words came together immediately at that time and i just started to ponder about my wonder in the wander and shortly thereafter i took a trip with my family to tanzania and on the last day of the safari that we were on the the melody started to come to me i had a ukulele along with me and I was sitting in the front seat of a safari jeep with my ukulele, never far away from me. And I just started strumming, and it came uh, to me as I'm sitting in next to the guide, Renatus, and, and uh, wrote the chorus of the song. And then during the next probably 24 hours, the, the verses started to come to me, and then the, I think I finished it on my plane flight back home and a lot of the trip came into that uh one of the one of the guides named was manasa and he made a comment about this shirt that i wore all the time it was a cheryl crow shirt that says love is free from her song and he told me he's 26 years old he said susan love isn't free and i said well what does it cost and he said it costs time and i just thought that was such a powerful thing for a 26 year old to say to me and a lot of these things came into the song, uh, that how much we're all connected in this life, the synchronicity that is there every day. There are no accidents, and they happen every day. You know, listening to that poetry, does it suggest in one way that an artist's life at times is a lonely path? Um, I think I think it can be, and what I have grown to in the last year and a half i have grown to really realize that as an artist i definitely appreciate my alone time in creating and that is not necessarily loneliness because i definitely feel spirit with me at those times but i do feel a need for being alone at times for creating and that moves us on to uh, Down in Your Soul, uh, the CD, which it really is about inspiration, inspirational songs right. that, that provide those uh, life lessons, I guess, and that spirituality, that soul-searching, which I guess comes with that, that loneliness, but, but on the other hand, uh, as you stated in your biography, a, a humor. I guess uh, a, a, a means by which you can smile at yourself and see what you're going through as you develop your style, as you develop your your um, your gifts. Absolutely, and that's, 
I do hope that um, when people listen to this, that and and I the songs are arranged in all different Americana styles. Uh, one sounds bluegrassy, one is a cappella, one sort of sounds a little bit honky tonk, maybe with a little New Orleans twist to it. One's sort of blues jazz sounding, and hopefully through those arrangements, people are connecting to it and hearing the inspirational message that is within, you know, that the answers do lie within. And that's, that is the theme of the title track, Down in Your Soul, that we do have all the answers within. So we're going to listen to a track, I believe, uh, called Why. Um, can you just give me a bit of uh, definition for that track for our listeners? Yes, yes. That is from, uh, this is a newer um, song that um, is about the loss of a relationship and what you go through emotionally. So going back to what you'd said before, you know, is it um, the emotions of what music bring you? Do you want to stop it? And this is about letting that flow because definitely music can take you to all kinds of places, feeling good, feeling love feeling connected as well as going through and working through tough times in your life and this is working through that all i want to do is sit here and write this love song just sitting here thinking about what might have been reading your love letters and feel that together we belong Mulling all our memories all over again and again Why, why, why does it have to hurt like this? I miss your scent and your sweet caress And your lingering kiss Why, why, why do I have to feel I miss your voice and your morning embrace and your tender touch. Why, why, why? Why, why, Susan, having listened to that, uh, does that suggest that your music uh, covers um, a, a lot of humor as, a, as well as a lot of sadness? And, and is, that a, um, is that a predictable part of your music? Is that something that you, you have purposefully in the way that you bring your music together? I think with any songwriter, yeah, your your life is um, perfect fodder for any type of song. I mean, I, I found, like, over this Christmas holiday uh, when I was uh, I was with one friend, and he would he would make a statement, and he'd go, well, that's a good song title. So, so you, I do find that, you know, from day to day, I, um, I experience events, or if I'm relating to 
something that I'm seriously facing in my life or going through a relationship or a challenge um, with my car today. I had to have it jumped twice. I, oh, I could maybe make a song out of that. And well, I'm so sorry to hear that, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's a new battery. At least you weren't uh, trying to jump it in the snow in Michigan. I know. I'm <laughs> cold. It was 70 degrees here, so yeah. So, in other words, your your music is is brought together um, by those small snippets of of life experience, and 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 as that occurs, uh, are those sorts of events uh, in, indicative uh, in the lyrics that you create? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Now, with the lyrics, are you writing first and then compu- composing the music um, following that? Or, or does it happen at the same time? It happens all, all of the above. Sometimes I have the lyrics come to me, and I'll have end up, ended up writing a whole poem, and then I'll create music for it. Sometimes a melody will come to me in my head, and then I'll get lyrics to fit in with the melody or the, you know, the rhythmic movement of that line. Sometimes I'll be working with chord changes on the piano, and I think, oh, I liked that, and I play it over and over again, and then words will come to it. So it comes to me differently every single time. But I do think, like with songs, especially the ones in Down in Your Soul, they came really quickly, and it was, it, it was, I felt like I was channeling. I was in a space where... The music was coming to me that it was um, I was a vehicle and I was the one putting the words on paper and making it come together now uh, the, the the track why uh, from the compilation CD I understand uh, won the adult contemporary category in the um, independent singers uh, songwriters association contest um, is that one of many, uh, and is that the the type of uh, award that that you're looking for? Are you or you're looking for greater awards uh, in different areas? Um, that those were all great honors, and I that was a great honor. Then that was generated by um, votes by fans, so that was really an honor to have people write in or not write in, but go in and vote on the internet and. Um, I've, it was also chosen to be a part of the Songs Alive 2009 compilation CD, so that was a selection for that one as well, and it's being released. And I was chosen with another song. Um, it garnered second prize uh, at a folk festival in Michigan this last summer. That, in fact, it was Wonder in the Wonder that I talked about that that won second prize in the songwriters' competition. And those are all awesome accolades. It's all an honor that, in gratitude, I accept. I want to continue moving in that way, and I think the greatest honor is having people connect to the music and a greater audience, a bigger audience, connect to it and relate to the music. Now, as as far as the music industry itself... um uh, one of my great friends, Andrew Neve, is a, a, a prolific uh, composer for the BBC, and uh, we, we shared time together in a program last month. And it, but he indicated that the industry has changed enormously, 
um, the, the, the days have gone uh, from, from, from my time when you would go out and you would buy a tangible single. You would, you would line it up on your shelf and you would feel proud of it. Um, now it seems almost as if uh, for the younger generation, they're looking for a, a short, sharp fix. Um, how does that... Uh, uh, how does that come over to you in terms of, of having to, even though you're an artist, build a bos- business model behind this in terms of distributing your music? W- w- which direction would you take this to be able to make sure that you can make a living out of it? Would, would it be through iTunes? or how, how do you see that happening? That is, I would agree with exactly what you're saying. That is a, a challenge right now um, because what I have, Found in agreement with what you're talking about is 45 years and older are probably um, the ones who are still purchasing a CD. 45 years and and under are it's that's kind of the breakdown I found up because I feel like I'm kind of at the breakdown. I still love buying CDs, you know, and and wanting to have a hard copy of that single because I like reading it and touching it. <laughs> and I think there are musicians who still want to do that, but. Like you said, the younger crowd is wanting to have a, you know, a download of it, and it is, it is a challenge because it becomes a, a downloadable type of a business, like making everything available on CD, Baby, or iTunes, and there's there are several others, and I do have music available on those two websites, but it is a new marketing um, role model and how how to get it out there. In fact, I would like to offer a free song today. I was just thinking about this before we started talking, that for the first 50 people who email me at susanpicking at gmail.com, I will send them either one of the three tracks that, that are have been played today that I will let them have a free copy of that download. Well, Susan, good luck to you. You've just thrown yourself uh, in there, haven't you? Um, <laughs> you're, go- you're going to be preparing a lot of CDs, but w- oh, I'll send them an e- I'll send them an MP3. Oh, well, that makes so it that makes it easy then, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, so if, if they send me an email at susanpicking at gmail dot com, and that's s u s a n p i c k i n g at gmail dot com, I will send them an MP3 of the one song that they would like. Well, that is definitely an offer our listeners cannot refuse. I guess going back to this point, though, is I'm trying to find out from yourself how younger people consider music. I can remember looking uh, 400 years ago when I was, you know, listening to music when I was growing up. You know, it was Band on the Run. It was Pink Floyd. And and you're right, you would buy the CD or in those days the, 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 the the, 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 the album. And you would be very proud of it. And to this day, I can return to that music. And, of course, it creates nostalgia, memories, um, quite an amazing dynamic that remains with you your whole life. I guess what I'm trying to explore here is, uh, is that different for young people now, given that they really don't need that tangible uh, object? Uh, are they listening to music and not holding tight onto it, but rather just moving on to the next one and not really storing it in their minds? That is 
Um, that's a really interesting thought, and I and I'm thinking about because you took me to places when you were talking about those different albums that you would buy and how back in the day there were concept albums, and you would listen to it from start to finish because it it often told a story the the whole CD, and with what's happening now with younger people, they might latch onto one song of something that might have been a story in, in being created in a concept CD package, and they're getting one song because that one's their favorite, and then they create their own iTunes playlist. And so I imagine what's happening is people create their own story with each song that they connect to, and they're not necessarily getting the concept of maybe what the artist had originally planned, but it still is the music and the message of the music. Well, I suppose that offers you uh, the challenge of uh, of how to market it. Yes. Um, I have to write really good songs. Well, really good songs. Um, but I guess the challenge must be that there's so much of it out there. It, there's so many people out there in, in any sector. Yes. Um, whether it's music, painting, photography, whatever it is, there's there's so many people out there now. And of course, when you have uh, um, the dynamics of Facebook and Twitter and everything else, it it becomes overwhelming to the audience actually where to go and what to pick. How how does a musician you think overcome that and and to make it special? See, I'm, I'm asking the tough questions. Well, here, uh, I? yeah, I'm, and I'm thinking be really in tune with with your songs and your music and being authentic. I think that n- number one is being authentic in who you are and what your song is because that's when people most connect to your authenticity. So being really true to what your song is, even even if it is about humor or being about something that isn't so positive, but being authentic in that song and then, really, today, you do have to work hard in putting it out there in the Internet and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I guess as a musician, it's important to, to get out there uh, onto the stage and into the venues that you're talking about. Uh, and I am terribly uh, fascinated about that, that venue that you, you so love, you know, the coffee shop, um, very uh, intimate and... It's as with anything. It's it's only by getting in front of people physically that you create that connection. And I'm sure that there was a time when music could be created uh, and and mass produced and 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 mass broadcast. And it wasn't necessarily for the audience to actually see or touch or or be around the artists themselves. But I wonder now, uh, given that young people. Um, want something quickly, want it fast, and then discard it is even more reason for any artist now to actually get back on the streets, as it were, and, and, yeah. to, and to show the face, show that connection. And you know it, what it made me think of, David, is um, it, it brought a visual back of sort of what you had mentioned earlier in the interview with Susan Boyle and, and how she was quickly thrust into the limelight and I don't know how much experience she had had playing small venues. I, I mean, I think she played or sang in her church, but was she performing a lot where she had a good foundation 
of audience contact knowing people really like her. I mean, she has totally won uh, over the population. I think she's, and darn it, I like her CD. Um, so I, I think she has a foundation now, but when she went through the difficult times that she did, I think she may not have had that connection foundation with people that saying, we're behind you. That must be such an insecurity uh, for an artist who's thrust into that sort of situation because there's a, an unknown, unknown dynamic there between the audience and the artist um, and, of course, an inexperience. And unknowingly, and this is the sad irony of so many things in life, is that we do more damage to others than than we realize we're always unconscious of it yeah. and i'm sure that in that situation uh, th- it was actually the audience that, that that damaged the artist more than the other way around right yeah moving on to um wonder in the in the wonder wonder in the wonder it's wonder, hard to say. wonder in the wonder um, you know my cousin said the same thing, and I thought that was beautiful, too. It goes both ways, Wander in the Wander and Wandering in the Wonder. And, and again, where did, you, where did you come up with this name? I know that you've already mentioned it, but could you just uh, remind me again? It came out of the Antonio Machado poem, Wanderer, and I started to think about my wonder about my wander in, through this life. Well, I think that we'll uh, listen to that now, Susan. Great. I traveled far and wide across the continents and there's one thing that just don't hide that makes universal sense that we're all connected to each other through our hearts and that we are not separate we're a whole put together Was it um, about this track that is possibly? It, it's obviously your your latest track, I, I assume. Um, is that uh, creating or setting up a, a, a president for you now in in your future journey, Susan? It's well, and the title of it is it, it has become a, a promotion. Uh, my blog is titled "Wonder in the Wander." Um, I'm prefacing a lot of things. Uh, with wonder in the wander, because that's how I approach life. You know, there's so much wonder in this life that we all have, and being in a space of gratitude with that. Now, is this uh, uh, going to be an album? How is this going to play out? This song has been recorded and is on the the um, Take Three demo that I have. That is just a sample. I have only a couple of those left of these, this three-track demo. And these songs are going to be on another CD, which I'm in the midst of recording, where there will, it'll be a full-length CD. And I, because of what we were talking about with where music is 
at today. I'm not sure how many CDs I will actually produce, but it will definitely be available on downloads, iTunes, and CD Baby for people to pick out different uh, songs that they would like. Now, in this uh, in this music, are you working with bands or orchestras, or are you? Um, are you mixing this yourself? And, and, and where do you want to go? Do you want your music to involve uh, many musicians? Typically, I've worked with many musicians uh, on the last CD. I, I had a lot of friends that were a part of it, uh, local Los Angeles, Long Beach musicians that were a part of the project. This one I've been, I have been working with... Uh, a few guys in particular, but with their busy schedules with music, um, I have been pulling in different musicians as well. So I end up bringing in a band feel with a, a drummer, a bass, and a guitar player. I, on Wonder in the Wander and Why, uh, Why is with the group that I've been playing with a lot this year, and that's with Lou Urquidy, Ray Eklund, and Mario Johnson. And they're the three that I've played a lot with this past year. Now, as you uh, expand that relationship and you play together more, uh, is it likely that they will Im impress upon you uh, different styles or, or a different genre? Um, what is it that a band can do behind you? Isn't that... I and mean, that's a great, great um, thing that happens. And I think it's exciting. Some people don't. Um, I think it's a great thing when somebody can take your song and add their own um, their own little piece of it, uh, whether it be in a different genre and trying out what it can sound like, because I think that brings a whole new life to music. And the influence of other musicians, it, to me, is really exciting and can push me in a new direction and also hopefully help me grow as a musician to try different things and, and try new genres and yeah, grow and expand. Uh, that's probably a difficulty with many musicians, but may I suggest that uh, they're very... Um, uh, they, they hold on tightly to their vision, uh, to, to their creativity, uh, and it, it, it maybe restricts them from sharing that with others, which uh, could quite probably expand uh, or, or give them greater power in what they, they have as a gift. Um, are there any examples of that that you can see, uh, or, or is that something that could be a potential worry for uh, any performer that's coming through like yourself? Yeah, I think uh, you nailed it on the head. It is, it's both a worry, it, it can be a worry for people. I, I don't feel that way because I try and step outside of a place of ego. I mean, I might see a way that I really want this song to go this way. But I think, especially in a live situation, there's so many exciting things that can happen with improvisation, with the influence of other musicians, that that's where, you know, with jazz music especially, that that's where the, the beauty and genius of music can occur. And if you're, if you're in the position to, I used to do improv comedy years ago, and one of the great phrases of that is say yes and accept what you're offered. And I try and incorporate that in music. Um, and say yes to what somebody's offering me because I feel like what they offer me could make something better what I had put forth to begin with. It's like building upon a gift, and if somebody adds to it, it becomes a bigger gift. 
Tell me a bit uh, in the closing minutes, Susan, uh, about your immediate environment. I know that you live in Long Beach and you're not far away uh, from the, the Los Angeles and Hollywood scene. Uh, I, I guess um, uh, I guess you would possibly be happy to visit Nashville or, or, or be near that. Would that would that be a good statement to make or is, do you have everything around you that you really need to launch your career? I am absolutely happy to move around. I'm a traveler by by heart and soul, so I'm happy to pack my bag. And bringing the keyboard is a little bit more difficult. But, um, yeah, the Long Beach scene is great, and there are so many talented musicians in L.A., and I'm, I'm always open and willing to travel, pack a bag, and, and hit the road and, and experience other things. Well, given that you're you're close to the entertainment industry there in in Los Angeles, uh, is music uh, is your songwriting something that one day you may tailor towards um, uh, filmmaking uh, as as a, as a, a, a producer of scores? Absolutely, I would love to be a part of that. I am working on a short right now that I wrote a song for. It's about a. a um, a man in his 30s who is autistic, and I, I wrote a song for that, and we're, I'm working on getting that recorded, see what we can do with that. And, and I'm always entering songs, um, sending them to music supervisors. I belong to a couple of organizations, Songs Alive, which is a, an organization which represents and um, supports indie artists, and they let me know through their internal um, connections on opportunities for shopping my music so i would love to be a part of that in film in television is that a is that a different approach that you have to have when you're creating a score are you um working to a beat or are you working to the the, the visualization and that lyrical flow how does how does it work i actually have not done a score um and and i was thinking more of like entering songs into into a film um however i do know some um film composers and it is it's a whole different um it is a whole different thing of sitting down reading the script and then watching the visual of the film they often um, put that together after the fact um they've read the script but when the, the movie's being edited together and they are often doing it to a click track but making it look good with the film so it's um dramatizing what's what you're visualizing i su- i suppose that really is um uh, showing the the partnership between two artists that's when i i guess that you have to become very uh, open-minded uh, not to compromise their work uh and they have to obviously think the same way so uh, in, in that way i guess you cannot hold on to it as tightly as you would uh, a, a track that you're writing for your own music. Yes, I think I think that's the case, and I do not have the experience with the film composing. However, the film composers that I do know that yes, you, I think it, it, it's humility and humbling that you're 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 working as a partnership. Where are you going to be going now, uh, Susan? Uh, what is the journey? Where is the journey going to take you? So our listeners have a have an idea of what your plans are. 
Um, well, you'll be able to check me out on my website at susanpicking.com to find out where I'm playing, and that has my links to MySpace and Twitter and Facebook. Oh, my find- goodness me. You're, you're way out there, aren't you? I am. I'm working on it, David. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm using the social networks. That's where I'm meeting a lot of my new friends and, and old friends, actually, reconnecting with old friends. But... Um, uh, yeah, I'm working on this Wonder in the Wander tour, and that will be posted when and when I get that finalized. And I have a marketing team advising me, working with me on that and where we move forward with that. And continuing working with youth and uh, with the elderly and making connections like this with people like you. What is the, uh, uh, finally, Susan, what is it that you wish your your future listeners to know about yourself in summary and about what you want to bring to them as a human being? I'd like to bring a little laughter, uh, inspiration, joy, a sense of love, love for themselves and other people and connectedness, how we're all connected. In fact, may I sing something? You may. I would I would like to sing, and this is a traditional Irish. I got it off of a Kathy Ryan CD. It's the chorus of a song that I think aptly says goodbye. So it's, So here's to you And our time together I'll share with you A parting glass And we'll bid adieu with some smiles and laughter, our time apart will be short and past. Susan Picking, it's been a great pleasure to um, share your life with us on the show today. I do wish you so much uh, joy and success in the future. Thank you so much, David. It was so much fun talking with you, and I really am grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Likewise. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. If you need any further information on Susan's work, Susan, you can just give me your website once more. It's Susan Picking, S-U-S-A-N-P-I-C-K-I-N-G dot com. And for anybody who wishes information on this or any other program, you can visit davidgibbons.org. We do have a blog site uh, that you can also provide uh, comments uh, and feedback. And if you have any questions uh, for Susan or anybody, uh, any other guest that has been joining me or will be joining me in the future, you can always uh, place those uh, requests on there, and I'm sure they'll be delighted to provide you with responses. Wherever you are in this world, meanwhile, good morning. Good afternoon and good evening. David Gibbons in Discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.